Hey everyone, this podcast is part of Story Mode, the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. You can support us and gain access to other great exclusive podcasts at patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash g-a-m-e-f-u-l-l-y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. Oh no, this movie, uh... Mm-hmm. I yeah, it's apparently only ninety minutes long. This movie, that, period. This hey everyone, hello everyone. My name is David Bell. My name is Tom Ryman, and we just watched Almost Heroes. Almost Heroes, starring Matthew Perry. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> Most famous. I'd love to have you alone for just two minutes. Ah, my hair is getting to you, isn't it? <laughs> They're almost legends. I hope Satan himself burns the flesh from your miserable bones. Chris Farley. Good God, lady. Matthew Perry. Great things are in store for us. <laughs> They're almost. And this is for your own good. Heroes. They're headed this way. <laughs> Let's, let's get starring let's get Matthew right Perry and no one else. <laughs> all right. Well, this is first of all, um, <clears throat> it's Thursday, which means we have a producer to thank. A uh, 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 big shout out to David Knife Boot. Knife Boot Henson. Mm. Old Knife Boot. Thank old you so much. Old Knife Boot. David Knife Boot Henson gave us a choice between two movies. I don't remember what the other one was. It's fine. I know. I think it was we, like Wet we, Hot American Summer. It was a good comedy, yeah. and it was this. And we were like, well, obviously this. Yeah. 1998's Almost Heroes, Chris Farley's last starring role. Not his yes, last role. Not his last he was role. In, He's in Dirty Work later the same year. Yep. D- directed by Christopher Guest. This movie is, yes, not Dirty Work. Yeah, Dirty Work yeah, is directed by Bob Saget. <laughs> right. So it's all fucked up. Uh, this, yeah. This movie this movie is fascinating. Like I wrote about it before 100,000 years ago, uh back when people oh, okay. still gave a shit about comedy on the internet. Yeah, uh this is Matthew Perry, Chris Farley, uh Bo- Bokeem Woodbine. Yes. Uh, who disappears in the final scene we're gonna talk about that yeah also his character just plays matthew perry's slave yep uh and matthew perry is a hero of this movie so that's something uh eugene levy yep uh just uh doing a thing yeah no there's a eugene eugene levy is playing um a french canadian trapper i guess and then you got fucking Kevin Dunn wandering in there pretending to be a Spanish conquistador and it's just the scenes they share together are just like dueling of the absurd probably racist accents this is one of those movies where when the credits was rolling I was like how homophobic and racist do you suppose this is gonna be and then moments like that and it was like my god it's this is racist in ways that I didn't anticipate yeah it was Uh, some real unexpected racism yeah also narrated by Harry, Harry Shearer, Shear, yeah. Yeah, uh, but only like for the beginning. Only for remember. the first eight seconds, and then the rest of the <laughs> film is narrated by Matthew Perry. <laughs> yeah. This movie is a disaster. It's a disaster. Like uh, every, put- every conceivable thing you could think of. Go- like, I, okay, what were you going to say? 
I was looking in behind the scenes because I was like, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, apparently it was, ah, oh, geez. Um, who was it? It was uh, Steve Odenkirk uh, of Kung Pao, Enter the Fist, mm-hmm. and Thumb, Thumb, Thumbmation uh, fame, who uh, at the time was kind of hot shit. Because you know what he directed? Yeah, he directed uh, Ace Ventura. Well, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. I don't think he directed the first one. No, I think that's Tom Uh, Shadiak, I think is his name. Yeah, and he's sort of, he's he's one of those career directors and writers. Yeah. Like, he's he's behind the scenes. Um, So, like, he has a story credit for Cowboys and Aliens. Uh, Odakirk or Tom Shadiak? Odakirk. Odakirk. Uh, and like Evan Almighty, Bruce Almighty, oh, yeah. etc. So like to be he clear, was hot shit with Jim Carrey. So I yeah. guess he shared an agent with the writer of this. The three this writers became, of this. Yeah, and this became like a really like a, 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 a like a chased after script. Uh, at one point, Matthew Perry was like their last choice. They wanted Hugh Grant. They wanted Bill Murray. They wanted Hugh Laurie. Mm-hmm. And then they they were like, fine, Matthew Perry. I guess it's Matthew Perry. As opposed to then no-name Hugh Laurie. <laughs> Laurie, like, uh, yeah. Right, at, it least, was also, at least Matthew Perry was on Friends at this time. Right. It was also originally an ensemble. Yes, movie. yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about, at least for oh, part okay. of it. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go into it. What do you know? Tell Tell us. From what I understand, this movie, uh, one of the writers is named Tom Wolf, but it's not the Tom Wolf. That yeah. confused the shit out of me for years. I was like, I remember the first time I saw this, and it's like written by Tom Wolf pops up on the screen. I was like, what the fuck? And then two seconds later, it's like directed by Christopher Guest, and I just fly out of my seat. Yeah. I'm like, I like, can't sh- handle all of this information. <laughs> um. <laughs> This movie got delayed. It was originally filmed in 96. Um, and it got delayed because of a merger between Turner and Time Warner. Uh, so it got pushed back like over a year to the point where it was scheduled when it was finally like going to come out. Chris Farley had been dead for a while. For six months. Uh, it was released six months after he was dead. I know mm-hmm. that. I know Siskel and Ebert just didn't review it out of respect. Because they're like, look, we're not going to have good things to say. We don't. You don't need us reviewing. Well, I this. think like, Sis- I think Siskel specifically was like forbidden to review the film by oh, okay. by Chris Farley's family because Siskel had been like one of them. I think it was Siskel had been particularly ruthless about all of Chris Farley's movies. Right, right, right. And they're uh, like, yeah. well, we don't need this. Um, yeah, fair. And Siskel and Ebert were like, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but so they they. Knowing that it was going to be like released as Chris Farley's last starring role, they I know that there were like major edits uh, that cut it down to focus on his character. So yes. whereas he wasn't really a lead, uh, he, he was just like a more prominent character in this ensemble of of people. Uh, the release version of this movie cut out pretty much everything with the other characters just to focus on to to try and make it a chris farley movie after the fact they were trying to like reverse engineer it into a chris farley movie when it wasn't really that in the first place the result is a is a movie that feels very disjointed at times it reminds me a lot of appropriately wagons east oh yeah very appropriately is wagons east uh, similarly is a is a slapstick 
screwball frontier comedy, like a period piece comedy uh, that's also about traveling across the continental United States. Um, and John Candy played the guide in that movie, but he died in the middle of filming. Chris Farley had completed his filming in this movie. It felt like he hadn't. It in did, parts. but it did. But if you notice the uh, the ending is reshot, um, and the way you can notice it is they're fighting with the conquistadors, like uh, Matthew Perry's having a sword fight with Kevin Dunn, and then they like uh, Chris Farley and the rest of the group comes over the hill, and they're like, "The Pacific Ocean's right there. We got to go." Lewis and Clark are almost there. It's all. We'll get into what the premise of the movie actually is. They they yada yada the fuck out of the ending where they're like, eh, like I it happened so fast. Yeah, uh, a, a, yeah. There a lot of things in this movie happen very quickly. Um, yeah. But so the he runs away from his sword fight with Kevin Dunn. She's like, whatever. I've already embarrassed you and revealed that you're wearing a wig. Uh, and they run out of the beach and it and then it cuts to them uh, running up on the bluffs of like I don't know <laughs> Northern California probably. Yeah. Um, Probably. And Matthew Perry is noticeably about 30 pounds skinnier. Yeah. Like he's like, I think this was like, they must have picked up reshoots right when he was in like the middle of a real bad bout of addiction, I think. Um, right. Because he got really, he, he struggled with that when Friends got super popular, but it's like jarring. He is all of a sudden, like he's already skinny in most of the movie. But in the ending, he just suddenly becomes, like, alarmingly skinny. Yeah. And it's like, oh, shit! Yeah. <laughs> what happened in that five seconds? Right. It's like it's like they almost starved to death yeah. g- getting there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, it's, but yeah, we should probably back up and actually discuss the movie. Uh, yeah, what were you going to say? What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, yeah, that whole ending, there was a point in this movie where I couldn't identify a villain or like what was gonna happen or like arcs because it's just a series of bits yeah. for the most part it's a series it's a series of sketches uh and like 98 percent of them they have no idea how to end yeah and there's like bizarre character turns sometimes and there's scenes that this is why i thought like i looked it up and so i i knew but like i thought at first like chris farley had died during the filming because they do stuff like like the scene where they're at the fancy party at the beginning and he chugs the whiskey mm-hmm. and then they just goes like, ah, and then they just cut to the next day mm-hmm. and then they just say what happened. And it was like, that's weird, right? That's like they didn't film a, a bit. It was probably, like, judging by what we know about the production, that scene probably had a lot of bits with the other characters. And they just yeah, cut I it guess because so. they're like, well, this has to be Farley. This has to be a yeah, Farley. Yeah, it movie. was like a background thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're like, no, he embarrassed himself. It's all about him. Yeah. yeah, let's get let's get into this. This is um so Matthew Perry is uh like a guy. Yeah, he's a guy. Uh and he <laughs> wants to he wants to uh 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 go across the country. Yeah, he's a fancy gentleman. He's trying to put together yeah. an expedition. Uh, to reach the Pacific Ocean, specifically to beat Lewis and Clark, because they keep one-upping him. Right. And so he... Uh, and then we got Chris Farley, who's about to be executed. We don't really learn why, do we? No, they tell you why. Do they? Yeah, it's because he got drunk and then embarrassed an officer. Oh, okay. So they're going to hang him, and he's like, nope, it's not a good. It's not a good him. reason. I'm just saying they do give you a reason. Yeah, and they're like, they barely establish his character. He's... They first show him as he's getting hung, 
Uh, and then he, he, we just have to be told he's a good tracker. I don't know why I'm gonna be breaking like you're really you're the- really breaking it down. It's he hires Chris Farley to help but him it, get across the country. It was kind of jarring to be honest, because even in dumb comedies, they usually show like that they're like, oh, they're the best. You know, it, like he has a couple of scene where they're like doing a thing, a tracking, but he never is helpful. He's he, not a tracker. He is at a couple of points, but it's like way later in the movie. Right. And they don't so really, they, it, it, it's, they just kind of really pass over. Like when they, when they go through the rap, the rapids and they see that like Lewis and Clark have, uh, portaged and they're going to carry their canoes over the mountain rather than ride the river through it. Like, uh, Chris Farley's character correctly says uh they're doing that because the river's dangerous we should probably do the right. same thing so there's like a couple of moments where he demonstrates that he knows what he's talking about but they come like way later we don't know anything yeah. about this guy when we first meet him but for the most part he's just a big chuckle fuck like he's a he's a chris farley he's chris type. farley yeah he has he by the way is he always borderline jack nicholson or just this movie in what way like the way he performs lines there's like it's borderline jack nicholson sometimes a little bit in, yeah. in this movie at least and i had never noticed that before uh it's it's i don't know how else to explain it it feels like he's turning into jack nicholson in a couple scenes mm-hmm. uh it's not really a criticism i just never noticed that before uh 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 so yeah they go on their expedition and they <laughs> hire eugene levy mm-hmm. as a frenchman a french canadian French Canadian. Yeah. Uh and his uh hot Native American wife, who I do not believe is played by a Native American woman. I'm not certain there. I'm not sure either. Um it this being the mid nineties, I wouldn't expect it, but <laughs> Well, I know that she is um shit. Oh fuck. She's Highlander's wife. In what? In Highlander. She's Highlander's wife. In the original Highlander? No, she's not. Yes. I'm pretty sure. There's no way she's the original and the original Highlander. I'm looking this up. I'm looking this right up. Or maybe it's um the daughter. I I saw that she was a McLeod in Highlander. Uh uh uh. This is terrible podcast. It's in Highlander. Right? It's ex- in it's in year 2000s Highlander Endgame. You jackass. Oh, she. So what is she in that one? Somebody named Kate McLeod slash Faith. I don't. Okay. I don't remember that character. I got the. I got the wrong Highlander. Yeah, by I'm almost sorry, twenty everybody. years. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't know time, man. That's okay. I can't remember who this character is in this film, so that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um. Anywho, and so he's just like nobody touched my fucking wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, who now I'm looking up was born in Brooklyn. Um. Sure. I mean, this character might have been as well. That's true. <coughs> excuse me. No. Um. Excuse. No, she is not Native American. Sorry, I needed to solve that. Um. So, so that's a bit, and then I forget how she gets involved romantically with Matthew Perry, but they that just, happens. They just make eyes at each other a couple of times, that's and it. then she just drops Eugene Levy. Well, I mean, Eugene Levy's a scumbag in this movie. Right. So. Right. 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 <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, it's a series of bits as they go it's, across the it, country. Quite literally, it's a ser- It's, I mean, it's a road trip movie. It's, it's, it, plenty of other films have done this. Like you could make the same 
uh, comment about vacation. It's just a series of sketches. Um, right. But it's just not good sketches. It's there, it's, and that's the thing that I wanted to really hit on. Like, even though this thing was clearly cut to shit to the point where it's it's barely coherent. I don't think there ever was a good version of this movie because no. the writing is fundamentally not very good. Also, here's the thing. Vacation has structure. There's arcs of the characters. The characters have goals mm-hmm. and wants that are going throughout. No, I'm just this... I'm just talking about in terms of a plot, yeah. in terms of like oh, yeah, what actually yeah. happens. It's just a series of sketches in Vacation. For sure, for sure. This is like more disjointed though because very, they just Yeah, I think they cut all that stuff out. <laughs> so we yes. so we just have the jokes but like like there's a scene later on where like it's after they go over the rapids and uh, like Farley and and Perry are like at each other's throats and they're and it, like Farley quits the expedition. That's they, the part. They haven't argued at all up until that that's, point. That's the part that's <laughs> like, really fucking jarring. Yeah. They get out of the rapids and he's like, I'm fucking sick of you, I'm man. I'm sick of this I'm dandy. Of he this. doesn't know what he's doing. It's like yeah. you guys have ne- you guys haven't even got raised your voices at each other this entire movie far as i can tell your guys are getting along just fine yeah uh it's so fucking weird Mm -hmm. that one moment um yeah very disjointed i'm trying to think of any jokes that i liked oh i can i I can (sighs) i didn't laugh oh but there were jokes that i was like i appreciate that i liked the um i'm reading something from the producer who is Denise Denovi again there's so many people involved in this movie we're like really this movie yeah. um where she said like the script read better than it performed which i can totally see like you can if you listen to the lines you're like oh this feel like i could see how you would read this on the page and be like oh that's a really good joke um i liked when he says something about him regurgitating into a harpsichord mm mm-hmm. mhm uh, that was a solid line. I I liked the eagle gag. I was about uh, I was about to say um, I lose. That's the only thing I remembered about this movie was the eagle gag. I lose really? my shit at that scene. <laughs> Wait, sorry, which eagle gag? The um, entirety of it. Okay, yeah, yeah, because the bit is that Matthew Perry suddenly gets sick, and again, it feels really disjointed. It's very abrupt. Yeah, and I, it's I, I suddenly sus- he's sick, and they're like, "We need you to go." I suspect uh, that's why Matthew Perry randomly starts narrating the movie about halfway through, and it's only a couple of scenes, like a couple of transitions he narrates. Yes, because <laughs> like they needed one of the most, one of the biggest red flags. Uh, of a movie to to know whether or not it's been cut to shit or reshot is if narration suddenly appears in only a few scenes and doesn't really seem to serve much of a purpose yes when someone has to walk into the movie and go so this is what's happening Mm -hmm. or that means it's a tarantino film or it means tarantino literally steps in to explain what's going on well i mean that's that's a clear stylistic thing Um, oh yeah 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 the other thing i was gonna say is or it's the motion picture twilight which is just fundamentally bad at its core yes Uh, (laughs) yeah where it's like you know we planned it out it's just bad no we planned for this narration it's just dumb and doesn't make any sense yeah (laughs) it doesn't give Uh, us any additional insight into the character right so matthew perry's sick yeah uh, and and the Native American lady is like, you need to go get an eagle's egg mm-hmm. to save him. Uh, but there's no eagles up here in the mountain. You have to go down. So Chris Farley walks down the side of the mountain. Real quick. He, 
this is another like another quick line we get that demonstrates he actually knows what he's doing is she says he she needs an eagle egg and he's like well the last animals we saw were down below the snow line there's like little bits of that that they keep throwing into the movie where it's like no he knows what he's doing but we don't get any of this you understand until like almost an hour into the movie <laughs> oh yeah and it's still not like that much it's like, not it much like but it's like it's his kind of- knowledge of nature is like the equivalent it feels like of anybody at that time you know he feels anybody has to he, like, deal with nature right he feels like he has like the base knowledge of like a person in the 21st century yeah uh just happens to be in the 19th century yeah anyway oh, yeah. it's just it's it's clear the character was written to not be a buffoon at least not yes. in that way or not be like I mean, it's Chris Farley, so he's always yeah, going to be right. they, buffoonish. They, they but made he, him yeah a buffoon. Like they probably cast Chris Farley, and then they're like, okay, well now this character is going to be more of a buffoon, I guess. Yeah, from uh, from what I've read, he was the first person cast, so the project kind of sort of started to be molded around him. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he go he goes down and he finds an eagle's nest on the top of a tree, and the, it's it's good comedy. This is good comedy. It's a great uh, bit. It really yeah, is. He, he climbs the nest. He gets the egg. The eagle attacks him, and it's he punches the eagle. And it's, you know, if you like watching someone punch a stuffed bird, it's funny. Uh, and he falls out of the tree. And then he's really hungry mm-hmm. and decides, fuck it, I'll eat the egg. Yeah. So he eats the egg instead. And so then he climbs the eagle's, the, the, the tree again to the nest where there's two more eggs. Right, it's... Yeah. They, they very clearly show us there's three eggs when he first gets yeah. up there. And of course, same thing happens. He gets fucked the up point, by the eagle. It's what really, uh, there's a, this element I want to point out uh, real quick because we're on it. This yeah. part of the joke, this is like what makes me laugh the hardest about this joke is every time the eagle attacks him, they play the exact same shot of an yes. eagle swooping in with the exact same screeing sound effect. <laughs> Yeah, it's, like, it's, they, they were like, it's the same wanna... footage of an eagle it's, swooping. It's good comedy because they were like, we could probably, we can only afford this, but let's make it work for us. It's Warner Brothers. Um, they could have afforded, I mean, this movie had a budget yeah, of $30 true. million. Dollars. They picked it because it's funny. It is very funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's Christopher um, Guest. He knows a little bit about what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Um,. I it's still making your budget work for you. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. you get the same piece of stock footage. He's like, you know what's funny is if we play the exact same shot yeah. every single time the eagle shows up. So he he gets attacked again. He li- he lands on the ground. He's hungry again. This time he hunts a boar, and so he makes bacon. But you know what goes good with bacon? <laughs> he he's another just egg. like eyeing the egg. It's such a fucking good bit. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> And then he once again climbs the tree, gets the last egg, doesn't eat it, brings it back. The Native American woman cracks the egg open, discards the innards, and he's like, what are you doing? She's like, I just need the shell. Yeah. And that's that's the final punchline on that. Uh, it's just structurally, it's a joke. It's a good joke. It, and it keep, yeah, just his behavior up in the nest keeps escalating, and it's really funny. Like the last yeah. time, he's like looking around. He's like, all right, where are you? Where are you? Yeah. Like, because he knows the eagle's going to come. <laughs> 
and they do a callback where at the end he has to go down this hill. Yep. So he climbs down this rocky hill, and sure enough, there's another eagle's nest. <laughs> this goes in a direction that I did not expect. No. Because he then rides the eagle to this, the ocean. Uh, or he hangs off the eagle and then it drops him in the ocean. Uh, It drops him in the ocean after it shits in his face. Yes. It's like, I do like, yeah, I, I like the ending bit of this is that he plants the flag and everybody's just down there with him. Like you did it. And he's like, how'd you guys get down? And they're like, oh, we actually found like another, uh, like a trail. A trail. Uh, Yeah. yeah, They even carved (laughs) steps into the side. It's very nice. Yeah. Because it's again, it's sort of them writing around like kind of a hole. Like it's, I feel like it's one of those things where they're like, we need them down there. Let's make it a gag. You might as well make a gag out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I do, um, I do like that Lewis and Clark's expedition arrive and see them and they all just like shrug and turn around and go. Yes. Home. <laughs> see, there's, there's, that's my thing with this movie is like this movie makes me like genuinely laugh like once every five minutes or so which oh, is really? it's not it's still not a great track record for a movie it's, it's there's a lot of like once every five minutes is great i well, think for a movie I, like I, for a movie like this where it's completely zany that means a lot of jokes aren't landing yes for me it was more like me not laughing and just going that's a good joke i liked when he tries to knock him out heroically you know that scene in most movies where someone is like i you know it's too dangerous for you but Mm -hmm. you're insisting so i knock you out instead he just hits him and he doesn't knock him out and he's like oh shh i'm i'm sorry i I thought i thought that'd knock you out yeah i thought that was fun i like the shit pudding story yeah the dentist oh yeah yeah the dentist dentist is fun uh i really like the corn gag uh conceptually i i don't think the execution was perfect where they're running the gauntlet Mm -hmm. and they have to like the first thing is hot coals and they're like doing these trials and then one of them's just walk over uh wet corn yeah it's like corn salsa yeah i liked the idea because everybody's just like wait who wait why did we do the corn right uh because like not even they realize it until they're halfway through the corn pit and they're like wait yeah (laughs) and then everybody's like wait this oh it's just corn everybody's just caught up in the moment yeah i don't think the execution works no Uh, it's it's a lot this movie is paced very badly and i think i mean obviously a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was cut to shit but then there's also comedy beats that are paced very strangely and this is one of them I think it's a lot of comedians who, for the most part, I respect and have made me laugh. There's a lot of good people in this movie. Yeah. Even Matthew Perry has made Mm -hmm. me laugh once. He makes me laugh Uh, in this movie a couple of times. Like, he's not... He he has comedic instinct. Yeah. Uh, But they're all kind of mixed wrong. It's like, uh, you know, I like mustard and I like iced tea, but I don't want to drink them together. Right. You know? It, it, It feels like nothing... It's not quite grooving and it part of it's the editing like as we've mentioned again and again it was cut to shit but some of it's just i don't these people don't seem to groove well mm-hmm. you know um yeah i kept matthew thinking perry of... oh, go ahead. doesn't feel oh matthew perry doesn't feel like he belongs in a period piece with these other he, it's not the same he's got that like real sarcastic bullshit uh i thought farley was the weirder fit than him i think they're both weird because b- both together to i guess they're trying they're trying to do like a david spade thing uh where matthew perry's kind of the 
sarcastic guy and Chris Farley is he's not know, like the he's, chuckle fuck. Yeah, he's not super sarcastic in this. He's mostly just fancy. Yeah. And like disdainful of of like their oafish behavior. He's not really <laughs> he's not really being a spade character, but like the fo- the the foil aspect is kind of the same. It's the odd couple. Yeah, and I can't stress enough that he has a slave. He sure does, uh, and they call it out. They call it out. This is the this is the wild thing about that, because it's again it's Bokeem Woodbine, uh, and he's just sitting there in the background, and he doesn't have many lines, Mm-mm. and it's just like this is weird. Uh, and he's always like serving him, and and it's like that sure seems like he has a slave, and we're supposed to be like thinking this guy's a heroic character and then near the end they finally do a joke about it where they're like when at at the river they're like who's chris farley's like i hate this guy who's with me and then he's like well i'm your slave so yeah i'm with him like that's the the gag is like i i hate you yeah <laughs> and then he goes with chris farley and that's the only time they mention it and it's now they do one other like, time when they when they camp for the first time and matthew perry is taking a bath and bokeem woodbine is pouring the hot water in there and matthew perry starts complaining about how the hot water in virginia isn't as good as it is back in england right. or, or someplace and then Bokeem Woodbine's like, well, I wouldn't know anything about that. I just washed myself in the cold ass river. Right. Yeah. And like Matthew Perry doesn't even hear it. He's just like, I think I'll wear my fancy robe tonight. Right. And like, if you're making a movie like this, mm-hmm. he, you kind of should make him the villain. Because yes. the, yeah. the, this is another big problem with this movie. Nobody's likable. Uh, it's just uh, like, I mean, I guess Chris Farley's likable because he's Chris Farley. Yeah. Uh, but Matthew Perry, who's carrying half the movie, is not a likable character. No. And to couple it with him being like Matthew Perry, it makes him like a shit. Uh, it it works really well for a villain, but like right, he sh- you know, yeah, it's a weird. Like I get the instinct to go and well, we can't just like if he's gonna have I don't know if you're gonna make the fact that he owns a person a joke then uh, he kind of needs to have some kind of... He needs to be villainous or have some kind of comeuppance related to that. And it's probably because they cut out so much. I'm Maybe sure it is. An arc. I'm sure it but is, at, yeah. Yeah, at the end of the movie, he's no different than at the start of the movie. Also, Bokeem Woodbine just, just disappears to... in the end. <laughs> he really does. And then Matthew Perry is just like, let's keep exploring. And everybody goes, yay. And the movie ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's no arcs. And no. they, like, yeah, they give him the sex prize. They're like, yeah, and this is this lady is randomly into him, even though the only thing we know about him is he's snooty and kind of like shitty and has a slave. Yeah, he's sno- he's weird. he's snooty. He's on a mission to fulfill his own ego and he owns a slave. Yeah. It's he's like fighting. Wow. This guy yeah. sucks. <laughs> he's fighting villain Kevin Dunn. Yeah. <laughs> who plays hidalgo and it's just like i my brain hurts like with all of this because it's just like yeah they're both kind of shitty uh and it felt like kevin dunn wasn't originally the villain did you get that impression like he was just one more bit they encounter but i think he was they needed he was one more bit and they just sort of restructured the movie so that he's like the last villain they have to overcome yeah because again this this needs more structure. Even if they're trying to do a series of bits, mm-hmm. it needs more. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, it needs like a villain. It needs something to overcome uh, at the end. And it feels like it's just he makes fun of Kevin Dunn and then they just walk away from him. That's exactly what happens. Yeah, it's very, very disjointed and weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we mentioned I mentioned it before, but Bokeem Woodbine literally disappears in the ending. They did not have him for the reshoot. Yeah, he did not want so to come in, back. So in that last scene on the beach, his character is just gone. Yeah. In the plot, I guess they abandoned him. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we totally we just forgot about this guy. What happens to Eugene Levy? He runs away. Okay. There's a lot of that, too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, and then the bad guy just goes away. Yeah, he just, uh, he just leaves the movie. He departs the film. Does he get captured by Kevin Dunn? Why does he? He gets press ganged by Kevin Dunn, basically. Like, okay. he, he approaches him in the tavern, and he's like, your wife slash property is very attractive. And he's like, thank you. Uh, and he's like, you should join uh, <laughs> my team, because we share everything, including wives slash property, property wives. And uh, Eugene Levy's like, oh, what happens if I don't join your group? And he's like, then we kill you. And he's like, okay, I join your group. You're right. That is what happens. That is, that is exactly what happens. Also, you're not exaggerating the mm. impression. No, um, that, is, that is, I mean, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> Eugene Levy, so he's pulling it off better than I am, but he's still not really pulling it off. No. That's so weird because his whole character is, if anybody touches my wife, I'll kill them. And then that never really goes anywhere. I mean, he bites the one dude's ear off, but. Right, and that's setting up Matthew Perry gets romantically involved with her, mm-hmm. so it's like, oh no, and then nothing happens nope. there. She's just with Matthew Perry and not with him, mm-hmm. and when he joins that group, like she doesn't go with him. Mm-mm. It was one of those things where I, I thought I had missed something, but now that you described the scene, I'm like, no, I did see that. No, that is, just, that is my, all that happened. Yeah, I just thought something else had happened. Your brain wouldn't allow that. It's like, nope, no, surely, surely there's some information we didn't get. Yeah, but no, he just approaches him in that bar and then just says, join my group. Also, like, he seems like relatively okay with joining it, even though, again, his pitch is we share wives and his character is like, nobody touch or look at my wife. Mm -hmm. So you'd think he'd be more upset. He's just he's just a caricature throughout. Again, it's maybe because they cut the scenes or what, but most of these characters are just bits. You don't really get any sense of who they are, uh, and they're very inconsistent and weird. Yeah, and disjointed. So yeah, guessing that has to do with the editing. I'm sure that's God. part of it. And then also, again, this film is not well written. Like no. it's it's clear from the parts that are here that it's just like oh this I, is. <laughs> It's not well written, but it, I don't. I like don't know. Every it's, level of this is bad. Yeah, because it's not, also most of the scenes aren't particularly well performed. Nope, or uh, well shot, well constructed. Like every part of this movie fails. And yet it's Christopher Guess and Chris <laughs> Farley. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Yeah. What a fucking disaster! It really is. is this, yeah. Is this a is this a Leslie Nielsen Mel Brooks situation where it's just like you get two comedic geniuses and it just it for some reason it just doesn't work like chris farley isn't doing a christopher guest performance Mm-mm. he's just doing he's chris, farley. chris farley yeah matthew perry is just being matthew perry mm-hmm. christopher guest i'm guessing uh 
lost passion for this movie at some point in the production because it doesn't feel like anything amazing in terms of directing like you said it's not well directed nope it's just a lot of talented people being like eh, we'll do better next Making time something bad yeah it happens <laughs> yeah <laughs> sometimes it's just bad <laughs> yeah it is it's just bad it's just weird and bad and it's almost heroes oh man how many times have you seen this, Tom? Probably three times. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mentioned at the top of this, it's 90-minute movie did not feel 90 minutes. Felt way longer than 90 minutes. It did. It's another time vortex. It really was. I, used to, I watched this at noon, uh, and, and I was like, usually, like, a lot of these movies I'll watch early in the day because I'm a little more tired, and it's like you can you can... You can sort of um, accept your fate more when you're watching it. You can sort of be like, you know, I'll have another cup of coffee and relax and just let it happen. And this time it was like, I need to get the fuck out of this room. <laughs> I need this to end. Even even though it had, yeah, moments that I was like, I, I get that why that's supposed to be funny. There's some good falls in it. Matthew Perry's character, who I don't, it, I don't think it's Matthew Perry at the time, falling out of that carriage. Oh, it's yeah. A good it's fall. Solid one. Yeah. Yeah. There's talent here. Yeah. It just didn't amount to anything. There's a lot good. of talent in this movie. It's just, it's just the movie big, itself is bad. It's just a big, weird fart. Yeah. Uh, just a wet fart slapping yeah. down on a hot pavement. Yeah. Movie's very loud. Uh, it's got the scene from Annihilation. But with the bear. Yeah. It's got got a good bear scene. Drags a guy off. Sure does. Yeah. That's neat, right? Yeah. Not a fake bear. Not a fake bear. That was probably they, the only bear. They went right? out they went all out on that bear. I assume it's only bear. It's uh Bart the bear. I don't know. I don't know if Bart was still doing movies at this point. I think he was, because I think the edge was ninety seven. Yeah. Uh yeah, Bart the Bear in the Edge, Great Outdoors. I'm looking him up. Uh, Bart the Bear's last film was Meet the Deedles. Sure. Uh, was not in this movie. Ah, yeah. It's a different bear. It's a different bear. That's that's wild. Bart the Bear was also in 12 Monkeys as uh, Bear. Commonly plays the character named Bear or The Bear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is this anything? I mean, listen, he he knew what he was good at. Mm-hmm. wasn't afraid to be typecast it didn't look like bart the bear honestly uh but now i'm curious what the bear is, who who played the bear because like again only has so many bears mm-hmm. uh they have a credit for the bald eagle val crawford i don't think that's the name of the eagle but i want nope, it to be it is don't say anything else that's in my mind <laughs> that <laughs> that eagle's name is val crawford that stock footage evil eagle val crawford yeah um <laughs> only credit for val crawford <laughs> it's the eagle so yeah you never know is that it are we done i don't know what Any else other to thoughts say about man. almost heroes <laughs> i don't know now i'm just looking at behind the scenes like is there anything interesting here um, uh t- turns out there isn't probably not <laughs> the smoothie uh ah, uh, i it, there's I can't recommend this movie to anybody. Mm. I can't say I will watch this movie ever again. No, I've only... I watched it once voluntarily. Well, I watched it once just as a person watching a movie. The other two times I've seen it are specifically for work. Right. Uh, immediately after um, 
by uh, immediately after um, watching it, Amazon was like, "Well, if you liked this, I guess you should watch Gone Fishing." That's the type of movie this is. Yeah, it's a real Gone Fishing type movie. It's a real Gone like, Fishing. Where the only reason to watch it is that you've been made to in a podcast, mm-hmm. or you you're. It's one of those things where you're like, "I know that movie's bad, and I always see it." I want to I, I want to crack open this nut mm-hmm. and see it's, what's in it's it. It's time you know? for me to finally experience how bad this film truly is. Because there are movies like that where it's like the Gone Fishing was one of them where it's like I always see it. I know it's mediocre and bad. Why ever watch it? And it's like, but aren't you a little bit curious? Don't you kind of want to know? You kind of want to know. Thought was a movie, and it's always like it's always painful. Much like Almost Heroes. Mm-hmm. So There's, I guess that's my final thought. There are, there are a few things worse than a bad comedy. <laughs> yeah. And it's the thing is, is that you're always curious. Like a movie like this, I was curious because I was like, maybe it's batshit. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that it's the opposite. What makes a bad comedy... Um, so bad is that there's nothing yeah there's, there's nothing, nothing remarkable latch on to yeah it's just jokes that don't work exactly and that's it's 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 watching a comedian not even i can't even say it's watching a comedian bomb it's but it's close to that because like sometimes a comic will you know it happens you you bomb even if your jokes are good and it's just sometimes it's the crowd's just not into it or any other another number right. of things but it's like it's like watch uh, i imagine other... it's like watching gutfeld where it's like you're watching somebody bomb and also the jokes are obviously bad i don't know i love gutfeld gutfeld's gutfeld is like comedic genius that they don't realize they're doing like it's 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 right it's funny. like the room yeah, like I you most times I watch Gutfeld and I will watch Gutfeld. Mm-hmm. It's like silence for the first minute of watching and then I just start laughing uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. Not at the jokes, but at just the absurdity of the situation. At, the, to, at for, just the the fact of of Gutfeld's existence. Yeah, for me this is like watching um like a Comedy Central roast where they have the stunt guest go up and do jokes. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And it's always like awkward and like, it's like watching the situation do jokes on the Comedy Central roast of, I believe Donald Trump. Sure. Probably. It's like that abyss of sadness. Why wouldn't it be that thing? Where it's like, it's like, it's like sucking the comedy out of you when you watch it. Like it's like um, a Dementor in Harry Potter. When when a Dementor in Harry Potter mm-hmm. shows up, mm-hmm. I imagine they just see the movie Almost Heroes. When when it sucks the life out of them, and they're like, I felt like I'd never feel happy again. Yeah, that's like, just the, that's, o- the only thing. The only thing yeah. you can see is that film. <laughs> it's the As movie the Dementors almost... drain you. Like, Sirius yeah. Black was stuck in fucking Azkaban being forced to watch Almost Heroes <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> On a loop. Yeah. That's why he's screaming in his fucking wanted poster. It's because he's like, no. Exactly. I don't know if I can watch Almost Heroes. The movie's terrible. <laughs> you don't understand exactly have you seen it yeah and yet i'm not mad at this movie either this is a movie that if no. someone was like i like it i'm like sure sure good for you like i said because there are parts it, of this movie that make me laugh right and there, it's talented people making it mm-hmm. um it's just you know we know what this is history has been very accurate you know to this movie it's what an eight percent on rot tomatoes and it's like yep 
Yeah, no, we don't. That, this is not one that needs to be reevaluated. This this no. wasn't one that was like misunderstood in its time. It was understood perfectly in its time. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's that. Yeah, we can check off o- almost heroes. Yeah, off our giant list. Is anybody keeping a list of these? Eh, we probably are somewhere. I mean, technically speaking, you just look at our podcasts, and that's a list. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the answer. Uh, hey, thanks to David Knifeboot Henson. Hey, thanks. Thanks for doing this. Knife I'm boots? kind of, I'm kind of scared to know your opinion of it because you paired it with Wet Hot American Summer, a great movie, mm-hmm. a great comedy, and I hope you weren't like, here's two amazing comedies for you. You know, <laughs> you guys here's aren't even going to believe this. Uh, take your pick. Uh, yeah. And thanks to us for picking this. I'm still, I'm glad, you know, I've seen White Hot American Summer tons of times. Mm -hmm. I never saw Almost Heroes, so I guess... Now you have. Yeah, in a way I grew. And thank you, Tom. Yeah. No, thank you, Dave. Yeah, I'm glad you were here. Yeah, me too. We should probably tell him something. I guess. This was done through our Patreon. And if you're interested, you can go to patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. Uh, on there, we have exclusive podcasts like um, Tom and Jeff watch Batman and Fox Mulder is a maniac. Mm. Y'all, you guys just closed out the Zack Snyder Justice League. I know. I think we did something like eight hours on it. Yeah, it's fucked up. That's man. gross and stupid and, uh, and weird. Why the fuck did we uh, do that? Yeah, I'm there for an hour 40 of it. You sure? Uh, I'm glad you came yeah. in at the end to make the last 30 minutes of the film last two hours. Exactly. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, happy to be there. Uh, we also have uh, a shared podcast with Small Beans called, S- what is it called? F- Futurama, the, the Next Generation? Something like that. Star, Star Trek, Trek, The, the next, next Futurama, Futurama. or something like that? I should probably know this. It's it's co-hosted by myself and Michael Swaim. Mm-hmm. We just recorded our second episode, yeah! which will be going up on our Patreon. Yeah, it will. Yeah, that will be behind um, our paywall, mm-hmm. which is, once again, $5 a month yeah, for you gotta, three goddamn podcasts. You gotta get on the other side of this motherfucking wall, people. Yeah, it's, it's fucking great. Um, and while you're over there, uh, check out a store. We have a store, tpublic.com slash stores slash Gamefully Unemployed, where you get t-shirts, masks, mugs, stickers, posters, all kinds of things. So check that out. Yeah, Maybe we'll start well. selling eagle eggs. I don't know. God, like real eagle mm-hmm. eggs. What was his name? Van uh, Carlson? Uh, it's Vic... Uh, something. It was a hundred years ago. It's uh, fine. Val Crawford. Val Crawford. It's Val Crawford. Yeah. Mm. Famous eagle. That's a Val perfect. Crawford. I'm writing that down. That's a perfect name for an eagle. Yes. If I ever get an eagle, Val. I'm naming it that. Crawford. That's you got it? the eagle's name. 